As an engineering leader, you know firsthand that achieving work-life balance can be hard. Many business owners struggle with the balance between their personal lives and their work. This leads to stress and a feeling of regret. But that's not the case for the listeners of the Engineer Your Success podcast with Dr. James Bryant. This podcast provides tools, tips, and techniques to help you achieve success both in business and in life. Tune in. Let's engineer your success today. I want to welcome you to the Engineer Your Success podcast. My name is Dr. James Bryant, your host for today's show. Today, we have a very special guest, Dr. Malika Grayson. Hey, how you doing? I am good. How are you doing? I am doing great. Why don't you tell our audience a little bit about yourself? Now, we're going to post your bio in the show notes. We're going to have links to for people to get in contact with you. Okay. And I'm going to tell the listeners already, when you read the bio, you're going to be inspired. You're absolutely going to be inspired because Dr. Grayson is killing it. She's doing great, great things. Go ahead, Dr. Grayson. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. As mentioned, my name is Dr. Malika Grayson, and I am a mechanical engineer by trade, actually physicist by trade. Now, in during the day, I actually do management. So I do, I'm a manager in software engineering, as well as a program manager during the day. At night, or as I like to say, my side hustle, I am an author and a founder. I'm the author of Hooded, A Black Girl's Guide to the PhD, and the founder of Steminist Empowered LLC. It's an organization that focuses on guidance and resources, as well as mentorship for women of color, especially black women who are interested in getting the advanced degrees. So we provide that mentorship. I'm also the founder of Aspire STEM. It's a scholarship program and essentially an organization that focuses on providing financial assistance to young black women from the Caribbean who would like to pursue their STEM studies through universities so they can be going to the University of West Indies or we have one person going to Brooklyn College, it doesn't matter. And it's meant to really help them within their first year to provide books or any other financial assistance they may need. So that's a little bit about me. And of course, I do a number of different activities, which I'm sure we'll talk about today. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Thank you again for joining the show. Typically, what we talk about here on this show is ways in which you can achieve success both in business and in life. Kind of the way that I shortcut that is by asking people two questions and those are very simple questions. Do you want to win at home or at work? And people will generally say, yeah, I want to win. Do you want to win at home? And they'll say, yes. And that's what we help people do. Win at work and at home. And it's absolutely wonderful to have you here on the show. So where are you originally from? Yeah, that's a great question. I'm actually originally from Trinidad and Tobago. I'm a Trini girl at heart. I grew up there and I was motivated to essentially pursue STEM, pursue my physics degree because of my experiences growing up. And when I was 19 years old, I decided that I wanted to pursue my physics degree. And that took me to the U.S. and I went to Delphi University for my undergrad in physics. And then I had another motivational, monumental moment during my third year the summer 2010, and I went to Georgia Tech for the summer undergraduate research experience that they had their short program. And I was paired with a mentor who has been a lifelong mentor for me. I would say I hope that he will continue to be a lifelong mentor for me. And 
I was really just interested in his experience as a PhD student, seeing what I would learn as theory in physics being applied to real life in that mechanical engineering piece, piece that re- those real life problems. And essentially, that is what motivated me to pursue my PhD in mechanical engineering and how I ended up in Ithaca, upstate New York for five years uh, <laughs> before I eventually got my PhD in mechanical engineering with a focus on wind energy. And then, of course, went into the industry after that. OK, so at 19, you're saying was that first you were motivated to go and get your degree in physics, what actually motivated you at that time? Yeah, so I was actually motivated before that. I just didn't know what STEM stood for. I didn't know it stood for science, technology, engineering, mathematics. Now we have art. And I knew growing up what I enjoyed. I was very inquisitive. I was really looking and being very curious about the way things worked around the house, the way appliances worked, the way you'd see a wheel on a car. And I didn't know what I translated to because I always wanted to really be a doctor when I was five years old. I wanted to be a doctor. I admired my aunt, who was the chief nursing officer of Trinidad and Tobago at the time. And that is the path that I had in my mind. But I really wasn't passionate about biology. And of course, growing up, you don't know what passion really means, but I know I didn't like it. (laughs) <laughs> and I didn't enjoy it, but I really enjoyed physics and I, oh, I enjoyed doing these things. And I realized those activities translated to physics. So by the time I was 15, 16, I, I knew what I wanted to do. And right. once I got into Adelpa University, that's where I went to at, at age 19. Okay. No, that that is pretty cool. These motivation events, or at least being able to understand what it is that you like and you don't like. Sometimes it's difficult for us to express the things that we want. It's a little easier at times to notice the things that we don't want or that we don't like. And so I think that's even at that age, having that level of awareness to then go and pursue what it is that was going to make you happy at that time, because obviously you did physics and then you went to what mechanical engineering. Yep. Mechanical engineering focus on wind energy. Okay. And so what are you doing now? So right now I am, as mentioned, I'm a manager of software engineering. I am really focused on being a program manager at the company I work for. So I work for Northrop Grumman Corporation and I am focused on really managing a portfolio of projects, high level projects that are helping our company move forward when it comes to our technology, when it comes to the way that we support our customers. Mm -hmm. So how was that transition from an engineer, a scientist going through and doing research to now being management and a project manager? It's very different, right? Because you're moving from essentially an individual contributor to now somebody who is managing a team. And one of the thoughts that a mentor of mine told me, she said, you have to start thinking less in terms of being an individual contributor and you have to think more on a holistic level. Mm -hmm. And what she meant by that is that it's really easy to want to be in all the nitty gritty. That's what we do as engineers. I want to know every single detail. Whereas as a leader, as a manager, it's hard to take the step back and you really don't need to know the details. You really need to understand the holistic view because you're trying to understand this pro- program, this project, and making sure that from end to end, as we move forward, the project is the solution is really giving the customer what they need. And we are making the impact like we were supposed to as a team. 
And it's been, it was a hard transition because I wanted to be involved in every single meeting that my team had. <laughs> I wanted to be involved in all the planning, all the technical meetings. And, but when you're managing a portfolio of projects, it's hard to do that for every single project within your portfolio. Yeah. yeah. So I had to take a step back. And part of being a manager is choosing a team and building a, an effective team that you can trust. And a team that you know, okay, you know what, in my absence, I know they're going to keep it moving. They're going to still be in it to win it so that we can do what we said we're going to do. And I have to trust the team to do that. So how long did it take you to kind of evolve to that point? can imagine that in the beginning, it was a little tough making that transition. It's still a process. I've I have, even though I've been managing teams for a while, a couple of years, now I'm really officially in that role, just about six months. And it takes time because I am still very much in that. I'll always be an engineer. That is who I am. And, but now I have to think about, okay, how can I leverage the fact that I am an engineer in this management role? So I think for me, what it means is that while I'm able to trust the team, when we do have those meetings, when we do come together, I'm readily in that place where I can look at a problem, see if we do have any issues or if we're really coming to the solution as fast as we're supposed to. And it really helps me understand the team as they run into problems so that I can help alleviate some of those issues, right? Remove their blockers. But I would say Every day I get up and I have to choose not to be an individual contributor, (laughs) which is I have to choose, okay, I really want to reply to that email because I see what's happening. And if we just do this, but I have to remember, no, Malika, take that step back. You have to be the leader. And the only way to empower people is to let them do what they're supposed to do. At Banowitz Marketing, we succeed when you succeed. Build a thriving family business with great marketing that actually works. How? Start with comprehensive marketing direction and a clear action plan. Then get attentive expert help and choose whether that help comes as done-for-you services or as done-with-you guidance. Visit us at thrivingfamilybusiness.com to get started today. And that's absolutely You have to learn to step back and allow them to grow or give them the opportunity to grow. One of the things that I continue to have in my mind when I'm faced with that situation is that every problem is not my problem to solve. It may be the team's problem to solve, but it's not my problem to solve. My problem is to look at the pieces that I have on my team and work through what's the best way to help coach and manage them to actually come to a solution. That's the problem that I'm looking at that I see as my responsibility to solve. So that's cool. So, all right, you're managing teams. You've made that transition. What are some other success principles that you've been able to employ in your illustrious career that you could share with our audience? Yeah. One of the things I talked about in a recent conference that I was at, so I attended actually the Global Women in STEM conference earlier this month in June, and we were asked about lessons learned right on the panel. And I said, one of the lessons I've learned, and I'm still I always think of I'm still very much early in my career because I want to have a long career, no matter if it's with my passion projects or just industry. But I learned that you have to really be authentic. 
Yes. And what I mean by that is when I first started, when I graduated, I was really, I would say, in a not so great place when it came to, I had just finished graduate school and I felt as if I couldn't have that full closure based on my experiences as a black woman. And trying to figure out what my outlet would be, I started writing and I started a blog, A Black Girl's Guide to Grad School at the time. And then I started working and I would be Malika who showed up, she went to work, you know, keep her head down and doing what she's supposed to do eight to five and then go home. And then I'm this other person who's trying to, essentially, I'm I'm trying to make an impact in the world. But then I get to work and then I'm doing my tasks. I don't even think, I tell people, I don't even think I really talked like that in my first few months at my job because (laughs) I was just really focused on doing what I'm supposed to do and then leaving. But I realized that I started to lead this double life of um, this person who's focused on getting a job done. But then I also want to be this person who shares her story. And it's very hard to do both. Yeah. And it's very hard for you to, when you're not being your full self, it's hard for you to be 100% in any part of your life when you're trying to be somebody else in different parts of your life. That is absolutely correct. Was there a particular moment or instance where things came to a head for you and it was like something has to change? Yeah, for me, I wanted to do more externally and I was almost afraid of what would my job say if they knew I was writing a a blog called A Black Girl's Guide to Grad School Mm and I didn't want anybody to find out that I was doing all these extracurricular activities outside. And one day I was in my second year I was working for a manager. He was great. And he called me into his office and he said, oh, I want to ask you something because he, he's been a, somebody who was always interested in people's hobbies and just what you enjoy to enjoy doing, not just who you are as mm-hmm. this person working for him. And he said, I, I found something that I wanted to share with you. And he showed me my blog. And he said, tell me more about your blog. And at first I was mortified because he's here like reading a Black Girl's Guide to Grad School and looking at a website. I was like, oh my gosh. And I told him about it. I told him my passion. I told him what I enjoyed. And this was, you know, before the book, before Hooded was born, before Steminist Empowered was born. And he said, you know what? I want to connect you to one of the initiatives we had. And he connected me to an HBCU initiative we had at the job. Mm-hmm. And from that moment, I think I really realized there is a way for me to still be there the way I want to be at work and be who I am outside and bring those two people together. So from then, I was really vocal about just how I felt. I started getting involved in the employer resource groups. I started to apply more to speaking engagements and You know, sometimes my job would pay for me or I would apply to speak locally and I would do that on the weekend and share more about my experiences internally at my job. And the reaction was more of support. And I realized that because I was much braver outside, right, and I was really being myself outside and I started bringing that person to work, it even showed in my performance because I was bringing that confidence internally at my job. And almost kind of being un- unapologetic. And it really helped me. And it helped me build this brand, not just inside of my job, but outside. So you see me, you know who I am, no matter who you see. Yeah. No, I think that is absolutely awesome. I think it's 
really key to our prolonged success when we're able to be authentic and bring our entire self to whichever situation that we're going to be in the moment. And so I get it that you're at work, you want to be a certain way, you're at home, you're going to do some extracurricular things. But I think you're right. When that comes together, it allows you to flourish. And I'm so glad that you were able to do that. And I'm so thankful for that manager for actually encouraging you to do that. And some, sometimes we fear people finding out things, but the thought of what's going to happen is much worse than what actually happens when it comes out. Yeah, it's so funny because, and I think when we start off in our careers, we're so afraid of, you don't want to lose your job, or you don't want to lose a position, or you're afraid of people's perception of you. And you build up this entire story in your head. Where, whereas in reality, like I have had my managers or some of the people who work for me in comms, like, oh, let me help you with your bio or let me help you submit this packet that you need to submit. Or I had to do an interview for like TV and they gave me pointers, of course, just that guidance. And I think if I had continued to try to live separately, then they wouldn't have even promoted my book. Like just some of my coworkers and mentors and managers, they were really vocal and would shout me out and things like that. And I think sometimes we need to be, it's okay to not ask for help so much, but to let people in. Yeah, It's showing up as your authentic self. So I'm just very thankful for the people that are listening to the show, particularly today's show, show up as yourself, have courage and show up authentic, it will pay off in the end because you won't be fighting against yourself. Exactly. So that that is pretty cool. So you're doing a lot of different things on your, I guess, I don't know if it's a side hustle now or after work, <laughs> it's all integrated it's now. It's all integrated. It's really helping to support women of color in STEM. Can you tell us about your journey in setting up some of these programs? Yeah, I mean... I just, I'm trying to think of some of the things I do. I have to run through my week in my head. So I figure <laughs> out what I do. So one of the, one of the programs that I am involved in, we actually just wrapped STEM Noir 2022 and STEM Noir. It is a research conference and holistic wellness retreat. So it's, you get research, you get wellness all in one for women of the African diaspora. Mm -hmm. And this was our second annual virtual conference. And it was amazing. We had uh, hundreds of women logged on, Black women logged on online, and they were really uplifted and just felt like they had that space. And it was three days, Thursday, Friday, half of Saturday. We had a portion for research. We had a portion for yoga. We had a, we had the amazing Tina Lifford. If you look at Queen Sugar on Vi, mm -hmm. she was our closing wellness keynote. And so I'm a part of the planning council. I am the co-chair of partnerships and sponsorships. So I try to make sure we develop the partnerships with companies who may want to sponsor us, as well as in-kind sponsors or in-kind partnerships, as well as even universities, right? Making sure that we support as many Black women as possible to attend this conference. So that that just wrapped and that's like the most recent recent activity. And I'm on this planning council with nine other women, all amazing black women industry academia we have 
people within the PhD program, people who are doctors. It's really amazing. It's like an amazing bunch to, to see and just wait. So that, that was last week. And then through my company, Steminist Empowered, I was able to actually partner with STEM Law to present something called Mentor Light. And it was an opportunity for us to do a small mentorship session on Saturday where I brought four speakers and we had different breakout rooms. So the idea is we have two professional development rooms, two wellness rooms, and we're just being transparent in conversation. So you get this hour long kind of mentorship vibe where you're able to have that conversation from what it means to climb the ivory tower, right? So tips on climbing the ivory tower to recognizing your power as a black woman or as a woman in research to tips on success, like trailblazing and success. So we had a number of those and then we were able to bring our mentors together to just have a frank and transparent conversation for all our attendees. So that was really something amazing that Steminist Empowered and STEM Noir did. And one of the amazing things I love is that we, we support each other. And now with Steminist Empowered, we are looking to start our second cohort of mentors, of mentorship. Mm-hmm. So last year, we it was the first time kicked off an overall mentorship program. We had 11 Black women all pursuing their PhDs. Mm-hmm. And that was really something. It was a four-month program. We met monthly. This year, I really want to move forward and grow, like grow and continue to advance and uplift. And in the growing piece, that's why we partnered with STEM Noir, but it doesn't end there. We need to make sure that we start our second cohort later on this year. So we've been looking for people who want to be not just mentees, but mm-hmm. mentors. While I love the mentorship piece, I think you really get value when you expand the network. I want to invite you to the next UnWebinar. What is an UnWebinar? It's no slides, no sales pitch, just added value. These are small group discussions that are designed to really be two-way conversations between you and myself where you can get insight and advice on the issues that you're dealing with today. The overall goal is to equip you with what you need so that you can win at work and at home. Understand you do not have to do it alone. Sign up for the next UnWebinar today. Yeah, you do get value expanding the network. And by expanding the network, you're giving those potential mentors the opportunity to continue to give back into the community. It's like you... Yeah. And you're inviting them into that space. And it is so rewarding when you are able to give back in that way. So one of the things that I I think about is we're in this environment now post or leading out of the pandemic. You have a lot of remote work and teams and there are a lot of different things that are going on. Are there some unique challenges that you've faced in the current environment? I mean, yes, I know, right? I think being virtual, it's tough. Even trying to do programs like the one I'm doing with Seminist Empowered, it helps being virtual on one side because then you can serve a community of people who are located all over the U.S., And same thing with Aspire STEM, our scholarship program, we were able to give scholarships to three young women in Trinidad last year. We are looking forward to giving out our, for the second time, scholarships this year. And with as part of that program, 
we have mentorship sessions for a year. So I mentor the three from last year monthly for the next year. At the end of this year, I will start the cycle of the new winners who won this year. So in that sense, virtual is helpful. But then you get this Zoom fatigue on the other side of the spectrum. Like as somebody, as a manager, I feel as if I don't want to always lean on my team to let's meet virtually. Any little thing you need to meet virtually because you also get lonely as an individual because you may have this interaction, but it's never the same when you have, when you're in person with someone. So one of the, especially when the pandemic started, one of the things I did is I tried to really figure out what I enjoyed and I tried to figure out what I wanted to try. And I used that time to try new things. I used that time to try new activities. I would I started a hoop garden or like veggies on my balcony of my condo. I read more. I wrote more and really spent time even talking to my family more because individual setting. What I also realized is that you're on the phone all day for work. So at the end of the day, you don't want to talk to anybody. You want to log off and just hear silence. And that started being more of a pattern. And with that, I started to be more intentional about, okay, you know what, today I'm going to maybe try to wrap up with early because in the evening it's going to be family day when I just make my rounds of calls. So those are some of the challenges that I definitely face in the space. And while I had some challenges, I also had some positive aspects that came out of it. So it was the being able to mentor, right? Virtually because... I could do that, man. I could do that virtually and also being able to grow a network. I think when I started the pandemic, I could not, it was very hard to find black women in the space in, in STEM and, or even women in general. And th- through the pandemic, we were able to grow and build this community of women in STEM, women in engineering, women in tech. And it's just been really amazing. A lot of people I talk to and I network with, I've never met them before yeah, at all. But they're my girls and we chat and <laughs> yeah, it's, it's funny because we partner, we collaborate and we do some stuff. And we just had International Women's, International Women's Day in April. And then we had, I think, International Women in Engineering Day. Yep. So we have all those things that we celebrate, even though we've never met. So those are some of the positive aspects that we wouldn't have gotten if we were virtual. Okay. All right. Thank you. That I think that is key. A lot of organizations are kind of running into the issue of trying to use their post-pandemic playbook of how they manage their teams. And that's mm-hmm. not going to work. And then they're trying to use their playbook that they were using during the pandemic. It's not going to work. And that's not going to work either because now you have people that want to be in the office and they're looking at the people that are not in the office like, what's wrong with you? And then the people that don't want it to be in, in the office are like, why are you guys trying to make me come into the office? I don't understand. Right. So it's a whole new dynamic that companies have to deal with right now. Oh, no, for sure. And that is definitely one of the challenges the industry is facing, right? And how do you find a balance? Of course, you want to make everyone happy, mm-hmm. but you have a group who they don't want to be in the office. But the office could be their escape from home, right? Yeah. Especially if you have kids and the office is really where they get, they can get work done. So what the industry is seeing is that and also people are really, they know what they're worth now yes. and they know what they deserve. 
And people are not hanging around if a company isn't showing them appreciation or paying them their worth. Or, and mm-hmm. it doesn't even have to be monetary payment. It's how are you supporting that person? Are you allowing them to train? Are you allowing them 980 Fridays every other Friday off? How are you showing that appreciation and showing that you're happy that they're part of your organizational family? And I see it more and more now. There's just so many challenges with that. So it's the, how do you get a hybrid approach that makes everybody happy? And how do you make sure that you retain your employees and keep them engaged? Because tomorrow there's another company trying to poach them. Yep. There's always companies that are looking for good staff. And I talked to during these interviews and talking to a lot of different people, everybody's looking for other staff and they're like, there's some good people. They're in situations, they seem to be happy. And, but it's when they notice that those people aren't happy, they're going to poach them. They're Mm -hmm. absolutely going to poach them. So you're absolutely correct. So as we get ready to wind down or wind up this interview, are there any other success principles that you would like to talk about or any encouragement to African American or a black women, black girls that are pursuing STEM? Yeah, I would say that the road isn't easy and it's it could be a lonely road. And oftentimes we we look at the road and we notice there isn't anyone on the road that looks like us. And we internalize that and we think, well, maybe we don't belong. But no, that's not what it's about. We're on that road because we've been taught and we are, if nothing else, we are a group of resilient women, a group of resilient individuals. And you are, when you walk that road, you are essentially making a path for the person behind you. And even though you may not see somebody immediately in front of you, we're here. We're here training you on. And it's really important to seek out mentors and seek out sponsors because a lot of my experiences, I was able to find opportunities because I had sponsorship, because I had people who were speaking up for me and wearing my t-shirt when I wasn't in the room, advocating for me, putting their reputation on the line. So, and that all comes with building your brand. I think the great thing about how called the culture and the way I would say just the, not just the industry, but academia and the STEM space has evolved now. Before, when I was going to school, I would, I go, I get my degree, I graduate, then I get a job, right? And then maybe you do these extracurricular. Now you're seeing so many people developing their brand while they're in school. They're doing their side hustle. They're doing their projects, their passion projects. I encourage people do it now so that by the time you, you get to the end of the road, you don't only have, of course, your degree, you don't only have everything you've done throughout your STEM journey with school, but you've built up this other piece of you that is yours that you can share with the world. Hey, this is James. And I'm here to help you win at work and at home. Let's connect. You can use the link in the show notes to schedule a complimentary session. And we're going to walk through the steps that it's going to take for you to start thriving so you can engineer your success and live the life that you love. Come on, sign up today. And it's a part of you. And Mm -hmm. it's very similar to what you had talked about in your early work experience, as you develop that part of you, that confidence that you build there, the skills that you build there come along with you. 
to your job. They come along with you in your career because there's only one you. You can try to separate it and say, I'm going to have a work James and a home James, but there's only one you. And as you grow, exactly that stronger, more confident person shows up in every area of our lives. Exactly. And I have one more piece of advice. And this is one of my other hats that I wear. I'm a speaker. So I'm a keynote mm-hmm. speaker and I speak a lot at different universities and I partner and collaborate with companies. And one of the topics that I talk about, it's ABCs to STEM success. And the first part of the ABCs to STEM success is adapt. You have to be adaptable. You have to be flexible. And that is one piece of advice I would say. Understand your environment, understand where you are, and then try to be flexible, try to adapt, try to shift, because that's the only way that you're going to learn and you have to be open-minded. Be bold, and being bold means taking a risk. Many opportunities come because we take a risk, and a lot of times we don't take risks because we're, we're afraid to fail. But what if that risk is actually that success story that is waiting for us? So that's why I say be bold. And then C, the C, I break down the C then in three portions. Create. So you have the opportunity to create and create something for the places where there's a gap. You can create opportunities for yourself. You can create opportunities for others. You can essentially bring who you are, bring your personality and use that C of creation where you're filling the gaps that are there, Right. And then there is contribution. So there's one one way is to create, but then you're contributing as well because you won't always be able to create, but you can contribute to something that already exists. And this goes back to, we talk about having a seat at the table. When you get a seat at the table, you have to then contribute. It's not just about getting a seat at the table and you created that space, you've, you're in it, and now you're not saying anything. So that's what we mean by contribute. And finally, see challenge. And it's about challenging you to do all the things we talked about, adapting, be, being bold, creating, contributing, but also challenging others, right? Making sure that you are being confident, you're, you're following your gut and don't let anybody else dictate who you are, right? Don't let someone's opinion of you dictate who you become because it's easy to do that. It's easy to really, as I mentioned before, internalize. Mm-hmm. So adapt, be bold, create, contribute and challenge. All right. Well, thank you so much for providing just so much value to the podcast. Dr. Grayson, I'm going to end this podcast like I end every podcast. And that is many people know what to do. Fewer people know how to do it. And there is a select group of people. And I mean, a very select group of people that actually follow through, do it and are living the life of their dreams, creating meaning and value for the world. And you are one of that select few. So thank thank you. you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's been a ball. Thank you for listening to Engineer Your Success with Dr. James Bryant. Do me a favor and subscribe to the podcast. Leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast player. Many people know what to do. Fewer people know how to do it. And a small fraction of people actually do it. I believe that you can have success both in business and in life, and it's my passion to guide you on your path to engineering your success. Thanks.